0: This is Human V-Robot, a podcast about the intersection of humanity and technology.
1: Welcome to Human V-Robot. I'm Andy Van E, and I'm here with my sister, Heather Hallgrimson. Today, we're going to be talking about what we're calling the blockchain winter. But before that, Heather, how are you doing? I know there was some sickness going around here, and it sounds like you, you were sick as well everybody was sick yeah
0: yes three out of four people in my house were on antibiotics so oh no (laughs) we were all (laughs) had some weird well some of it was antibiotic cream i gotta be honest but like it was just it hit hard so yeah you also got hit
1: yeah we had the flu going around and pretty much everyone got it um Mm. for differing lengths of time but i think we're mostly in the clear now feeling a lot better oh that's good (laughs) Yeah. Um, so as far as updates before we get into blockchain and Web3 stuff, uh, I thought we should t- talk a little bit about Twitter. Uh, it's been in the news. Yeah. Um, it was bought by... So for anyone who maybe doesn't know if you've been under a rock or don't really care about these things, <laughs> um, Twitter was bought by Elon Musk, who is like, yeah, uh, and, and was taken private. And so I think... Like we've talked about this a little bit before in the context of human v robot, like, um, what you know, what how we feel about these services and the role they have in our lives, because they like I've I've seen arguments for like that things like Twitter and Facebook are almost like should be considered like uh, infrastructure sort of like they're services that really um, they aren't just like apps on the web, they're like a par- core part of how uh, commerce is done and how our lives, you know, we interact with each other and maybe there should be um, tighter regulations. And uh, it sounds like from, from my understanding of why Musk bought it, it's like, really he wants uh, quote unquote, like, to deregulate it, like, to remove the restrictions, but what that actually means in practice is he wants the restrictions that he wants on it, essentially, like, his opinion of what should be, uh, you know, because, like, freedom of speech is kind of one of these weird terms that, like, you can't, um, yeah, I don't know, I I don't want to get too far into that rabbit hole, but what, what was your thoughts on this? Anything specifically jump out at you that you were, like, that that you're interested in on this
0: it's hard to look away <laughs> from this stuff. yeah and i was listening actually on the way into work this morning to cbc's the current about uh, twitter and it talked about or it was talking to a couple people who I think had some role in sort of being like an archivist. So it's kind of like what the public knowledge has in it. And they were talking about Twitter's role in um, activism, which has been quite large. And, and I was kind of like, does anyone still do activism on Twitter anymore? Like, aren't, isn't everyone on TikTok? Like, right. it's also kind of thinking like people were app shopping or jumping a little bit. But of course, it's still, you know, a lot of very important social movements have been started or facilitated through things like Twitter. And um, people were commenting on that and saying, "Well, it's just it's so important that we have this sort of public archive." And what if the company goes bankrupt? It just like sounds like a real possibility right. at some point in the future. And and then I kind of was like thinking to myself, like, "You guys, like, didn't you know this was a private company?" Like, I, I kind of wanted like these people were talking about it, and I I don't want to be glib here, which I might be. <laughs> But also at the same time, I was thinking like, what responsibility does a private company have to hold the public archive and knowledge for us? They don't. They're responsible to their shareholders, which is majority now Elon Musk and his debt holders. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I was kind of like, what did you what did you think would happen here? Um, And I don't know any way to deal with this except to say, I guess, private companies need to be responsible for holding on to the data that's being produced on their platform for some public knowledge archive, uh, or available publicly, (laughs) like it's not like a book that's published that we can then get later. Um, So I I don't know, that was something that was kind of like, surprised me a little bit that people were thinking of it that way. Um, But also, yeah, I mean, it's just hard to look away from what's going on with Twitter right now. as. You know the firings continue, and the sort of seeds of the pants kind of operating methodology. Yeah. Um, you know, firing a lot of content moderators. It seems like their content moderation strategies is just to not moderate content at all, and uh, and then um, you know they're when Someone asked Musk, What's you know, what are you going to do about content moderation? He just said, Well, it's easy, follow the law. It's like, Which law? Whose law? What, like, you operate in how many countries? Are you going to follow yeah. the laws of authoritative, like, dictator regimes? That's your plan. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of like sort of undeveloped theories about what should be done. Um, and I, I don't really know. I mean, I'm not a big Twitter user, so it was sort of like an easy breakup for me, yeah. Um, but anyway, it's just a, it's amazing to me how many effects these things have. Like when you talk about a, a tech company has a huge effect on like activism around yeah. the world and social movements. Um, Like this is sort of like all these unintended uses and consequences, maybe.
1: Yeah, I think. It, I, and I think that kind of goes in right into the heart of what we wanted to do with this podcast, essentially, is like there, like if we're caught off guard by how these companies work that that's kind somewhat on us you know like some of these things when these transitions happen it like brings up the question of like well how does this company actually work and people are outraged or shocked that this outraged. is
0: yeah but it's a private company that owns yeah. its own information that's produced on the platform yeah shock
1: yeah. Yeah, and so part of what we're trying to do here is just kind of maybe shine a light on how these companies work and and you know, is this ask the question, is this okay? I know a few years ago, it might even be like 5 years ago, there was this like mini outrage on I think like it was on Google Maps and basically someone just posted like the oh here's how, how you show your history of all the places you've been and like, like trace every thing that you've, yeah every place you've been and the path that you took to get there when and where. And it was like, some people were shocked. They were like, what? Google maps is follow like tracking every single place I go. And it's like, well, yeah, obviously, how do you think this thing works? You know, like, um, so, like, there's you could opt out of that. You can say, like, don't store that. But, but you have you have to opt out. It's something if you if you're using Google Maps, even even today, you can you can just open a page and see where you've been. Um, yeah. But without asking the question, like, how does this company work and how does this service work, uh, you like I don't I don't want to be blindsided by those kind of things, right? Like, yeah. Um, so
0: asking what the exchange is because nothing is coming for free Um, so what what exchange is occurring um, between me and the platform um, and that like am I okay with that exchange what's being asked and what's being given Um, when I'm giving my data I'm also giving consent to then sell my data, which I'm not overly suspicious of these things, so I have maybe a higher tolerance than most people on what I give away for data. I'm like, what are you gonna do, right? Send me ads, ooh. Um, But also I think it's just, like you said, it's important to know what exchange is happening there, and yeah I think that's you know that's kind of like how the sort of tech interfaces and interacts with our lives and what's yeah. kind of going on behind the curtain of that yeah
1: yeah because I, I, I'm totally with you I, I I'm like for the most part I think like what are they gonna do with this data but but I also on the flip side of that I see the potential for weaponizing that like um, and I think it's imp- important to ask the questions. And I think, um, like not being American, it makes me a little more, um, hesitant to just give them a pass on all this stuff, because like the question was brought up like, and it, it has come up a few times, like TikTok is a Chinese company. What are they doing with their data? Cause even if you turn off all the privacy settings, that doesn't really, um, doesn't prevent what they can actually do right like it even with google maps they may not show you that anymore like but uh, you you gotta bet they're still storing that like it's still there it's not um you know it's not this magical technology that all of a sudden you're invisible just because you say you want to be like it, mm-hmm. these private companies can do what they want with that data yeah. Um, and yeah that's going all the way back to the, like the Facebook Cambridge Analytica thing, where people are like, "What? They're storing all this stuff?" And it's like, "Yes, obviously they are." Like, and <laughs> like that's that's how they're making money. So yeah, yeah. Um Okay, that's probably enough on that. But uh, probably enough
0: on Twitter. Maybe there will be more to come next week. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there sure, is. It's yeah. just like watching the play by play right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, the news cycle is constantly moving on that one. Yeah, um, yeah. And, as is. As it is with our current topic, big topic here. (laughs) Yeah. So I I wanted to title this episode the blockchain winter because I think there's it's kind of an interesting thing to think about how so the previous like thing I was thinking about that used this phrase was like the AI winter. Like Mm. in in AI, there was this huge boom in I think the 80s probably, like even 70s and 80s, like where it's like, oh, AI is going to transform everything. And then through the 90s, it just went into this like stasis sort of thing where people were working on it, but nobody was thinking this is going to transform our lives in the near future. And then it like pops up, the spring comes and, you know, things look promising again. And I kind of feel like blockchain is maybe going into this, uh, this kind of phase where yeah. it had so much hype even a year ago that it was like on the horizon going to change everything we do online. Right. And now it's kind of like, uh, everyone's pretty skittish about that. Like it, it feels like things are really, hunkering down like nobody's super optimistic about the the potential to transform our lives especially this week i don't know if you've been following the ftx uh exchange yes. implosion basically
0: <laughs> the drama
1: <laughs> yeah the drama and i i don't want to i don't want to get into that too much one because i don't fully understand it, like I don't have any hot takes on why it happened other than just like uh, overwhelming optimism on a technology that was shaky uh, with dubious uh, foundations, right?
0: Yeah. So what's interesting, like the one thing I want to say here is that um, they were basically the the structure of the company that sort of also, you know, owned FTX, sort of like another company owned by the same dude. Yeah um they're basically taking deposits without proof of their own so there's no matching for like you can't so basically they're just you need proof of certain amount of deposits yeah. in order right. to lend on other deposits right so banks have this kind of regulation yeah uh crypto exchanges don't have this kind of regulation yeah and they were just you know basically just acting like i guess a bank or whatever financial institution without any proof of deposit yeah um or that they were keeping a certain amount in um for every amount that went out so uh they went under like this is why we have these regulations on banks because this kind of garbage happened before like this is why that exists like that and then we let this industry just go (laughs) just go buck nutty and then we're like surprised that the whole thing implodes it's like it was just a very unstable investment environment like I you know and that's why another very similar institution has to comply with these other rules to protect consumers it's like again like why are we so shocked this is my theme for the week people yeah but I mean does everyone look into things to that extent before they like buy it I mean I certainly don't but it's just always like yeah, this is this is why this happens like this. So anyway, that's all I have to say about. The one thing yeah. I did wanna say about um, blockchain and the reason we wanted to call it the blockchain winter is because like you said, there was this optimism about a way it would transform society and how people did everything online, not just cryptocurrency yeah. um, and finances, but that the way people interacted with other people, basically, the way we work and, you know, there's a lot of applications here. Yeah, Um, for blockchain. So all of that was sort of like all this potential was laid out in front of us. And it seems like the only thing that's really doing anything is cryptocurrency. And it's just like overly hyped and in a freefall. So cryptocurrency being one application of blockchain technology. So blockchain is kind of like and I think that's sort of maybe the AI winter. There's probably these limited applications, you know, in that winter period where it's being used. And just kind of like experimenting with, but the sort of potential future where blockchain is everything, everywhere, everything underlying, like all these things that we do, uh, hasn't really come to fruition. So we're experimenting on one application of it, but the rest of it is just kind of snooze fest.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's kind of the unfortunate thing. Is like uh, often the the leading indicator, like which, like you say, is cryptocurrency can take everything else along with it um, and it's important. Well, so it's. I, I'm going to say it's important to separate cryptocurrency from other applications built using the technology, but in yeah. some ways it's, it's also not that important to separate those because they are, um, a lot of the other technologies I've seen built on that suffer a lot of the same problems as, as the cryptocurrency and not only suffer the same uh, um, issues, but they have um, basically everything, all the assumptions they're building in about how it works are, um, are not really well questioned. I think sometimes like, it's like, Oh, we can use cryptocurrency for this. And then you start, digging in and asking questions like what about um, privacy and transparency, like those are competing factors that uh, blockchain seems to say that it can solve both of them at the same time where it solves neither of them, I, I find a lot of times. Um, because that that's an important aspect of these other things like the smart contracts, which this is kind of the building block of the other technologies built on this is the smart contracts. And basically that's just like a piece of code that is gated. So it's like the simplest thing is thinking about like escrow. Like I want to put this money aside until this condition is satisfied, right? Like a smart contract on the blockchain can do that, but it doesn't answer a lot of the uh, the bigger questions about like how does that actually work and how does that interface with the real world and um you know there there are existing systems in place that do similar things and have um many probably even hundreds of years of development of all the edge cases that you know probably need to be understood in order to do it successfully with blockchain so yeah yeah, it's it and that's where it feels like a hype bubble where it's like well oh we can solve all of these problems and then when you dig into it it's like well has it actually solved anything I don't right. know. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: the hot take. Has it solved anything? So I want you to go back for a second. And, uh, you know, the man himself, Tim Berners-Lee, wrote an article, Web3 is not the web at all. Um, yeah. So this is the the legit OG found man who made the internet, yes. I guess, or <laughs> maybe it was part of it. Um, I don't know the whole story there. So yeah. <laughs> so what,
1: what was that about? Okay, so this is, this is kind of interesting because when we say Web3, It's like, it's basically a faction claiming ownership of the next version of the web, a faction that may, like, has no proof that this is actually the next generation web technology. And here we have someone from the earlier generation basically saying, no, this is not really an extension. This is maybe a niche use case that, um, so... To to rewind a little bit, let's let's just outline what Web one and Web two is because that's even fuzzy. Yeah. Um, basically, Web one was le- was like putting things on the internet, basically like being able to have an online transaction. Like to, I, I can have a server at home, I can publish something, and someone else can access that and download it. And then, so this expanded, like even, yeah, like this is expanded. Basically, it's the foundation of everything we do online, right? And then, web two.
0: Is this like blogs and stuff?
1: Yeah, I would say a, a blog could con- be considered a web two technolo- or web one technology okay. where you're just, y- you own the server, you publish the thing, and. Okay. And Web 2 is where it gets a little fuzzy because even now, I I would say the way it's used colloquially colloquially is not how it's uh, how I understood it when it first was proposed. Like Web 2 was basically the interactive web, essentially. Like it was like the way um, or that that was the first. Earlier definition, I would say. Now it's more more defined by um, not the interactive web, but the um, the owned. Or there's there's been some good terms for this, but it's like uh, how Facebook owns the interaction, basically like companies your interactions happen on other platforms, basically. Well,
0: like what our opening talk about Twitter, um, owning all of the interactions that happen on Twitter. So people around the world are creating things and sort of making connections and whatever, like actual things are happening. You know, people's lives are being saved in some cases. It's like, okay, this is the way to do this or whatever. But so all of that, um, where we're sort of creating this thing yeah. that a platform allows us to participate on their platform, yeah. and we can participate is Web two.
1: Yeah, okay. yeah. So like, I, I would say like I would have defined it as the interactive web, but the way it's being used much more now is the centralized web. In in a sense, like. Big everything is yes big companies own, own your players. data own your interactions and own. yeah
0: there's the apple the google the yeah. twitter or whatever okay
1: yeah and i think like that could probably be teased apart a bit but i think it's it makes sense as a framing for this discussion of like why um why web 3 is claiming to solve that because that like that centralizing force is I, I wouldn't say it's the to me it's not the definition of web 2 but it is an effect I think like mm. as as people moved online more and were much more interactive like we're using um we're, we're using these services to in our lives we don't we give up ownership of the data and the interactions yeah, yeah.
0: because before nobody could find anything that's essentially yeah. the problem so when you have like me writing things from my computer, like server, and yeah. Andy finding it, then you have to know where I'm at. Like, yeah. you don't know where to find me, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, Google helps, f- f- like, it puts together platforms for people to engage on something, right? Is that kind of part of it?
1: Yes, uh, uh, although I would say Google <laughs> is built on Web1 technology. Like, it, it's, it's the me- like an mechanism whereby you find okay. things. Where yeah. it's, like, now you get... These weird things where I, I forget the exact example, but like my daughter was searching something and she searched it in TikTok, and I'm like, "Why on earth are you searching this thing in TikTok? Google is the thing that finds things for you." But well, I not think not anymore. Not anymore. Like people, <laughs> yeah. people actually do their Google searches in Facebook yeah. or in TikTok, and yeah. those those are yeah. Web two technologies. They're centralized. They're like but they're they're highly
0: participatory the yeah. creation of the things is like okay
1: yeah these lines are so fuzzy they are yes yeah okay all um, right
0: so let's get into web three okay if you're
1: ready so web three extending on that is basically the idea that it, it's i mean there's so many ways to that people try to sell it that i i like it's still it's going to be even fuzzier because there's so many interpretations of this. But the idea basically is to take back ownership of your data that you own, like your data belongs in your wallet, if you will, and a, okay. a, like how, how a wallet works is basically um, it's like the pieces of data belong to you. Essentially you okay. and services operate on those, um, like their smart contracts, their structured data that belongs to you. They've agreed on some kind of structure to this and and you interact using that. So like, um, it, it's a way to try to combat. I, I, I think in my opinion, the way it, the way it should be sold is like it's trying to combat that centralization by saying, I want to own my data and expose only what I need for a transaction, an interaction, like some kind of function, peer-to-peer <laughs> exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know yeah, yeah, and there's so many so many ways to frame that, but to me, that's how Web three is being sold. Um, all
0: brought to us by a little technology known as blockchain.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's it's built on built on that foundation. Um how that actually works in practice, I I don't think we can get into because Ooh. I don't think it, because uh it, it is uh there there's so many variables at play, right? Like um but the comparison could be made like the simplest example is probably if you think about a game. Take I'm going to just say World of Warcraft, even though I've never played it. I don't really know how it <laughs> works. If you, if you,
0: okay.
1: like, I, I think they have a like a market where you can like buy upgrades and stuff. I might be wrong. I might interpret this in what whatever game it is. Say they want to sell you something, you buy it. Um, it belongs on their platform, and you have you're basically renting access to that. That's the conceptual uh, framing of that, right? You're you've bought this thing, but you don't actually own it. You just own access in a sense. Like if that went away, you would lose access to it. Where Web three, okay. com- yeah, where Pause. Web three comes in. Okay, yes.
0: So that is kind of like. Okay, we're going back to Twitter again. We're going back yep. to the opening. Yeah. So people putting in sort of like this archive, this digital sort of like societal archive. Yeah. People putting in that information, but then Twitter owns it.
1: Yes. It's not mine. Anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, keep going. That that tweet belongs to Twitter. Yeah, I mean ownership is so dubious in, in this. Well, I guess if they yes. go away, it yeah. goes away. It goes. It doesn't away. stay exactly. with me. Exactly. Yes.
0: I have no claim to it anymore, except for my account, which lives on their platform. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, and so like, so the that that would be the Web two version where you you've bought something, it r- resides on the owner. You're basically renting. That's co- like conceptually what's going on there. Web three proposes. To say like this asset, this thing I've bought now belongs in my wallet, and the the platform can check my wallet and say, "Oh, do like they have this thing," um, and confirm that. And basically, that ownership belongs to me again. Like this is such so dubious in terms of ownership because if you know anything about NFTs. The, the thing you own is ridiculously ephemeral, right? You, you, you own, in most cases, all you own is a transaction in a ledger that has the link to the thing that you own. So if it's an image, you'll just own a URL that, and that that URL is completely public. Anybody can visit that URL. Anybody can look at it but you own the transaction in the ledger that says you own that thing. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, because <laughs> because it, <laughs> it's like uh, really like you own, what you actually own is very much like not really a thing at all. And, and your ownership of it is really just the transaction in the ledger which makes things really complicated because like in the NFT world, there's so much like rampant abuse of that in that, like you can mint an NFT for a piece of artwork that you didn't, you have nothing to do with. You just were the first one to mint it. Essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, Somebody so, else's art. Yeah. So yeah. there's like a, a ton of scammers just saying like, just minting a whole bunch of NFTs for th- art that they don't own. Um, that like they have no stake in it at all. They've just said, yeah. "Oh, I'm the first one here, so I own it now," um, yeah. which is like ridiculous. Like it's it's definitely one of those things that um, that totally limit the viability of them, in my opinion. Like it's it's not it's not a proof of ownership at all. It's just like a first, first one to market sort of thing. And the other aspect of that, when it comes to NFTs and images specifically, like if that link goes away, like maybe you don't even own the server that that link is, you know, linking to, if that goes away, the art goes away. Essentially you have the, you, mm-hmm. you own this link. That's dead, right? Like that right. that's uh, linking to nothing. Um, yeah. so nothing has been solved there really there are ways like you could put the entire image embedded on the blockchain but that's completely not feasible because like one of the restrictions of the blockchain is basically the size of it increases the complexity exponentially so if you yeah. put the entire source code for the image or so- source code for whatever in embedded it into the nft it would be you, like it would increase the cost of minting that or transferring it or all that stuff. I could be getting some of the details wrong, but that's my understanding. Like like basically it's not practical uh, in the way the blockchain works to put things of massive size on there. They need to be mm-hmm. as small as possible and usually are just a hyperlink to something.
0: <laughs> right. Which is, right, right, yeah. right, right. So let's get back a little bit to the um, the question of the winter, uh, yeah. <laughs> the blockchain winter. Sure. Um, so I I don't want to leave without sort of addressing this in in some way. And you know we've talked about uh, the sort of crypto and and the NFT market has also you know been in free fall as well. Yeah. Um, are these like signs of something that just basically isn't all it's hyped up to be, or are they just sort of minor bumps along the road into sort of like, and I'm asking for some predictions here. I don't know if that's anything anyone's comfortable (laughs) with, but I'm just wondering like the sort of version that you believe is true. So is it basically like these things are foreshadowing that sort of this sort of blockchain future, you know, permeation of our society just isn't going to happen because it's too complex to execute given all the other stuff that's going on <laughs> in society yeah. like just only blockchain doesn't exist or is it just you know it's a sort of like kind of kooky point um that you know eh, it's happening it's just people experimenting with it it's lots of you know blips and we're going to try to figure it out but you know we're we're going there it's getting there we're just experimenting with it right now
1: yeah. So, yeah, there's a couple things there. And if I'm going to put on my prediction hat, um, number one, I think it it makes sense as a financial instrument, but not in its current form. Number one, because like you said, like we have, uh, or the US has the SEC, every country has some kind of uh, regulation body to ensure regulating the, consume,
0: yeah. like, yeah, protecting investors.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and without those things, I don't think that these are viable, like, uh, financial instruments. And so I think that's going to take time that like it's eventually we may get there, but like there are serious concerns like with th- that. I think like are used as a selling feature of, of, uh, um of cryptocurrencies that will go away like being able to freely transfer money cross border like all of these things are regulated for a reason government has a vested interest in making sure that they uh know how that's happening and that you know all of the things like is that has that money been taxed correctly is it being like government's can't turn a blind eye on this forever like it's that stuff is gonna go away like using cryptocurrency as the way to purchase your illegal drugs is going to be a thing of the past in the in the viable future of a cryptocurrency right Right. um so that like that's one aspect of it the other aspect is like i think smart contracts and that kind of thing will will be very valuable to businesses that, um, that currently have regulations and like involve tons of lawyers and all this stuff, like, of, um, like say, say, I think we even mentioned this one is like, a, a oil and gas company, like drills and they have a responsibility clean up, like, and like ensuring that those contracts are fulfilled or like, that these checks and balances are in place can, can be facilitated by smart contracts in a way like, but, but it really does need to be formalized much better and agreed upon. And I think those companies are need to, um, get on board and agree on standards for how that how that actually works and I think that even that is probably a ways off and um supply chain is another one like there's been talk of that but I think there are big holes in in that that haven't been addressed and will will take time so I think like it's it's that's why it feels similar to the AI winter in in a sense to me because it's a lot of hype early hype and then you realize the hard work ahead of you to actually make it viable in in specific like in the specifics of how industries work and how companies work and how government works like it's not it's not a cure-all silver bullet that you just apply and
0: well it's not happening uh, in a vacuum we have to remember all the things that happened before like you said that and it always depends on what sort of things are already happening in that market and network industry like whatever it's um because like when you're dealing with money or financial transactions you have yeah financial and consumer affairs authorities yeah. who are protecting consumers from things that shouldn't be happening with their money um otherwise they lose lots of money which happened i guess <laughs> ftx yeah. investors lost a lot of money yes um and i mean that's not limited to cryptocurrency lots of things happen like that but that's because you know there's sort of these things so none of this happens just in a part where it's like you know it just emerges out of nowhere and can just like you know suddenly be like the path forward because it's like everything up to this point has already happened um and we have to sort of integrate it somehow i guess
1: yeah yeah and and these bubbles so technology is unfortunately one of these things that can grow so fast like like we've talked about before it can grow so fast that it gets way ahead of those external factors i think Um, and unfortunately when it does that we get these bubbles that pop because (laughs) all of a sudden we realize that we are not operating in a vacuum we like this technology actually interfaces with with real world systems.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Humans, right? Yeah. Human v. Robot. Uh, <laughs> way <laughs> yeah. to bring it back to the topic or to the, <laughs> the title of the podcast. Yeah. Um, okay. So maybe that's enough prediction. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I always say, I said very early on that this was not going to be a podcast. We were, we were doing predicting things, yeah. um, but uh, I can't. I can't help myself especially when we're talking about a winter because we're talking about is in that case assuming we're assuming that it's going to come back in a real way not come back we're assuming that there's things that are happening right now and a lot of these you know like you said like tech it's it's quick it happens fast a lot of companies like they are very okay with just getting into this trying to succeed and just failing yeah like that's also like everyone i guess Mm -hmm. thinks they're going to win but they're just, you know, try, fail, try, fail, try, fail. And that's sort of as, a, that's the learning loop, I guess, yeah. that's going on yeah. um, as, you know, the technology is kind of going. So I think when people like see a lot of stuff that's happening in the world of tech and like this sort of like how up and down it seems, it's like, well, that's because that's how it learns, I guess. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Un- unfortunately, I think like... um as a developer you get very highly attuned to asking the questions of like of the code of like um, like asking skeptic being super skeptical like will this thing work probably not and so i'm gonna test you know test all the edge cases very rigorously and i like, like, I think it's unfortunate that we don't apply those things to the bigger scale, like the companies and say like, well, what if these assumptions or this sales pitch or whatever, can can we like tease apart, like some statements of fact that may not be correct in those? Because I think (laughs) often what, like where these bubbles come from is people just accepting that, that grander vision of like, of how things are are gonna work, without saying, well, you know, what happens when um, bad actors, you know, like or, or like we don't we don't put on our like black hat malicious <laughs> actor hat and say like what what if these people try to manipulate the system or use it for a purpose that we don't expect, like yeah.
0: Yeah. And some, you know, even I think there's people the sort of devil's advocate role. Yeah. I I, I believe that the interesting thing about the sort of maybe it goes back to culture a little bit, but the sort of culture of this sort of founder mindset is we don't really care um, about those negative, like those, the good probably outweighs the bad. It's kind of not my problem. And I just don't like... What's going on right now? Like this is just is better on the whole. So yeah. the negative things that happen are just not a real problem for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and that's the feeling I get. Looping it all the way back to the start of Elon Musk, the the feeling I get is like this is like obviously, obviously, he is a smart guy in many ways, but I think he is not. I shouldn't say that. I think there's a lot of things he hasn't thought about with how, uh, his concept of how Twitter should work, uh, interacts with the real world. I think he just hasn't, hasn't fully considered those things. And I think like that, that applies to everyone. You know, like it applies to all of us. Like I think we should think about that more. Like how how does this actually affect our lives? And, um, affect affect the flow of information and our, um, concept of the world. I think like we can, it's very easy today to get into this bubble of like, we are only accepting what's comfortable and what's, uh, um, you know, what makes us feel good or feel like we understand the world in a clearly when we prob when we maybe don't <laughs> when we maybe have to ins- pop those bubbles a little mm-hmm. bit and just say what's beyond feels this. like there's a story there probably uh, yeah okay, that's okay. <laughs> anyway like that's a, that's probably a good place to wrap up I think eh? I,
0: I think so yeah. yeah I think it's a good place to say like that we uh, we don't know um, and I I do see you talked about smart contracts there's a lot of other applications I think um, personally interested in the Governance and decision making applications that go along with blockchain, um, and the opportunities to um, collaborate on. Oh, I'm getting in there. Um, I think there's the uh, the the opportunity I see to collaborate on collective problems, which I think yeah. is a really interesting application of uh, this kind of technology. Um, because it's sort of like being able to give access to something that you're concerned about without having to reveal everything it's really hard to kind of collectively come to a solution on problems like you would think that would be an easy problem but it's actually kind of not given the fact that people just sit around and talk about a lot of different things all the time so i think this sort of like being able to sort of Demonstrate some interest in some part of thing and sort of be able to problem solve and seek solutions. I, I think there's something that I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. and there's a lot more in there. Um, but i I definitely think there's like a lot of, yeah, like this sort of this crypto thing, notwithstanding, yeah, <laughs> i'm I'm willing to assume that like it still has a place in society. but i I do think, yeah, that the uh, sort of like, all the other implications and sort of impacts of putting a technology into a world that already exists like i don't know why this is like a a difficult thing to think about like why like again why are we surprised that we have to put it into sort of our today reality yeah you know how companies work how people work how you know things happen between people how regulators work how governments work Um, and then we have to sort of navigate all of those connections and wire it all together, I guess. I don't know. Thinking of it like a wiring diagram.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I think you're right. Like, I think maybe in my predictions, I was overly, uh, negative. Like, I think there is a kernel of something that's very interesting and very useful probably in here. Uh, it's just, I'm curious to see what survives and what actually thrives out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, I I think it's, you know, it's probably okay to be sort of like, yeah. And I I think always that it's sort of like, there's going to be, there has to be, in in every part of this, there's going to be this sort of the try-fail-try-fail aspect, but also just societally, governments, regulators, whatever, putting some parameters or boundaries around, you know, protecting vulnerable people, protecting, you know, our financial investments. Um, I think that that's like a lot of people in crypto right now are just fully like and completely against any of that. That was another part of the FTX explosion was this sort of, I think that was actually it was just basically a revenge scheme from the (laughs) Binance guy, you know, regarding sort of like moves on on regulations is basically like you think we need to regulate I think we don't I'm gonna cut you off at the knees you know there were some allegations of that sort of stuff yeah. um, which I guess adds to the drama of that story yeah. um, but I don't know I don't really see another I don't really see another way because I really don't see a universe or a future where we don't protect consumers from you know financial investments in some way because they don't have the full information
1: yeah yeah for sure
0: okay, okay. so a lot of things always to talk about but always have to wrap it up. So uh, I think that was a really good we we did our service to blockchain. It's taken we just we identified blockchain early on and didn't want to get to it. So we we did it now.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think yeah, there I think we've we've probably indicated enough that there is so much more to talk about here that we pro- like we're ba- barely skimming the surface, but I think yeah. I think that's a yeah, a good place to wrap up. Thanks, Heather. Good. Okay, thanks. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening. To hear all our episodes, search for Human v. Robot wherever you find your podcasts.